We are in this sermon series called Joy of Giving because Thanksgiving is coming up, right? You guys know Thanksgiving is coming up. So we're spending this month talking about why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because Thanksgiving can't be just about eating turkey and shopping, right? We have to think about others, people out there. That gives you more lasting happiness, right? So that was the plan. We were going to talk about mission and purpose. Every Christian, every church is given mission and purpose from God. You guys know that, right? So that was the plan. And then the election happened. And there's just a lot of disturbance going on out there, right? Protest marches. I mean, just a whole lot of thing going on. And so many people, even in this church, are feeling shock and dismay, even afraid, you know, for physical safety, all that. So it just feels like we'll be tone deaf to not address it and just go on and talk about the mission and purpose and blah, 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 which you guys all hear all the time anyway, right? Now, I want to make this clear that I don't intend to get political or partisan about it because, you know, many people are dismayed, but many people supported Trump. Obviously, that's why he's the president. And in fact, you know, the evangelical Christians are getting major credit for this outcome. And, you know, given our church history, you know, some of us, many of us may feel like that's my tribe. And so I don't want to get political about it. I simply want to point out that this election has revealed deep divisions in our country. Wouldn't you agree? Divisions along the lines of race, gender, class, religions, you name it. This was a very divisive election. Can we all agree on that? And then we all feel sort of in our little divisions and wondering about the future of the country. So I want to talk about that because that's a big concern to us. You look around you in a church like ours. There's a lot of diversity here, don't you see? Right? I mean, we're not all like white or African-American or Asian-American. There's just all kinds of people here. It's a very diverse church, and I love that. I love that part about our church. How about you? It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, right? But given that, there's just a lot of diversity of opinions and beliefs and personal experiences, and that can pull us apart. Agreed? And that would be just such a shame. This is a very beautiful thing. It doesn't happen often. It's very easy for churches or people to get divided into their groups. But the Bible tells us there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? It's a prophetic declaration of the reality of the kingdom of God. 
that in the kingdom of God, there are no divisions. We are all one in Christ, no matter race, no matter gender, no matter class, no matter religions. We are all one in Christ. That's a powerful declaration. We are all valued. We are all respected. We are all welcome, no matter what we look like, no matter where we come from, whether we are immigrants or not. All of you are fully appreciated and valued. I mean, after all, in America at least, all of us are immigrants, aren't we? If we go back far enough. America is a dream and an ideal that was based on this ideal that in the kingdom, there is no divisions. And that's a powerful thing. God is bigger than all those divisions. And that is not only powerful, I'm going to propose to you that that is what makes Christian faith unique and of God. Most religions divide people, at least between believers and non-believers. But Christians are called to break down every wall of hostility. That's what Jesus did. In his own body on the cross, Jesus broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Every wall of hostility, including the division between believers and infidels. It's all taken down, and Jesus gave his own body on the cross to accomplish that. And that's an important thing to think about. I mean, why are divisions so important that it will be cited as the reason for the cross? Have you thought about that? I mean, that's a high price to pay. The cross is a big deal. The Son of God dying on the cross is the ultimate price. Jesus establishes new reality, new covenant between God and people and between peoples. Without walls of hostility. You guys have heard of a new covenant? Yeah? I hope so. There is new covenant and there's old covenant, right? Have you guys ever wondered what the difference is? Ever wondered that? I mean, it's new, so there has to be some difference, right? I mean, Jesus died to make it new, so there has to be a big difference. That's a high price, don't you think? That has to be a fundamental and dramatic difference. Because he took the cross to establish the new covenant. Yes? Agreed? So let's think about this for a moment. What is the old covenant? Old covenant in a nutshell is learn and obey God's laws and God will bless you. In a picture form, it's like this. There is a boundary line. That corresponds to God's laws, God's ways, God's rules found in the Bible. Learn it well, know it right, and follow it, then you're in. If not, you're out. You're not a believer. You're not kosher. You're not following God, and you're going to get cursed, right? That's your old covenant in a nutshell. Would you agree? Now, this makes sense on one hand, but that can lead to divisions. I mean, it's by definition dividing, right? It can lead to judgments, 
It can lead to hypocrisy. It can even lead to violence and hatred towards those who are on the out. And that's been true in the history of church and almost all religions. 9-11 happened out of this mindset of drawing boundaries and saying, infidels and non-believers, they're not even worth life. We must destroy them. Right? So this is what happens. We must remember God himself abolished the old covenant. In fact, the Bible says everyone living out of this kind of mindset is under a curse. It says all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. That's a shocking statement. Because the law here refers to the laws in the Bible. The Bible at the time that this was written, was referred to as the law and the prophets. The law refers to half of the Bible that that tells you what God's rules are, what God's commands are. And, and, And it was all about learning them and following them. And this Bible is saying, if you do that, you are under a curse from God. Wow. What a shocking statement. That's not intuitive. You would think it's all about learning and following God's ways. And he says, well, no, that's not good. That's abolished. That's the old way. It's cursed. In the Old Testament itself, when the prophets were trying to defend and spread this kind of old covenant faith, because that was the right thing to do at the time, they themselves were saying that the days are numbered. Old covenant is going away. God is bringing, God is going to bring something new. That's what brings so much credibility. That the very people who were defending it were saying, no, this is not good enough. There will be something new. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Prophets saying something like this. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, people of faith, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. There's going to be a big difference. It's not going to be like it, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. God is saying, here is the difference. Here is the promise. I will come and guide you. I will personally lead you so that you don't have to follow some written thing and tell each other, learn God's ways and follow it. I will be the one personally leading you and guiding you. Yes? Isn't that what he's saying? In a picture form, that will look like something like this. God is at the center, and he is calling out to everyone. And there are no more lines and boundaries between good people, bad people, believers, non-believers. It's for everyone. And God is saying, I don't care what you look like, where you come from, what you do. I am calling to you personally from wherever you are. And you just turn to me and you will experience my love. You will experience my delight. Good things will happen to you. Just turn. That's the new covenant and that's good news. Yes? And that's why it's so important. All the boundaries go away. It's God himself will personally guide each of us. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, Jesus said. Not the Holy Bible, but the Holy Spirit. There's a big distinction he's making here. God himself 
in the form of the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God will come guide you. Now, this is not something new. Like, you know, we come up with this. This is very old thought. That Listen to this quote from 19th century Lutheran theologian from Germany. Right? You think these people are like boring and, you know, very like uh, scholarly and very like approved people, right? Lutheran theologian from university in Germany, 19th century, George stuff. He says, this ethical guidance by the Holy Spirit implies that God's concrete commanding cannot be read off from a written document like the Bible. An inherited scheme of law. I must learn afresh every day what God wants of me. For God's commanding has a special character for each individual. It is always contemporary, always new. God commands me and each person in a particular way, in a way that's different than he commands others. The living and spiritual character of the knowledge of what God requires of men in the present moment must not be destroyed by rules and regulations. That's pretty powerful stuff, don't you think? It's not that stuffy, is it? We can kind of understand this. It's talking about Senoset. It's talking about how what commands of you is different from what he commands of another person. Therefore, you cannot read off a written document and apply uniformly across all times to everyone. This is it. Know the Lord. Follow its ways. No, God is like a personal trainer now. He will come to you personally in each context. So we cannot draw these lines anymore. That's the new covenant reality. And that may sound like theology, but to get this straight in our head is so important. It has so much practical implication. Because it's so easy to be confused and live Christian faith in the old covenant way. And draw boundaries. You know, in the old covenant faith, in those bounded set kind of picture way, let me just tell you what kind of things happen. Back in those days, people of faith, Christians of their day, they had a daily prayer like we have the Lord's Prayer. Men of that of faith pray this prayer every day. God, it's a prayer of thanksgiving. God, thank you for making me a man and not a woman. God, thank you for making me a person of faith Knowing you, not an unbeliever. God, thank you for making me free, not a slave. Every day. That was the mindset of the time. Those were the chief boundary markers that said, Oh, these are good things. Thank God I'm in that circle. So do you see how shocking it would be? For someone to come into that mindset and say, there is no man or woman, free or slave, believer or non-believer in Christ Jesus. You see what a shocking prophetic thing that is? How unpopular that would be? People would be go, you're strange. <laughs> why, why would you? I mean, are you crazy? Look around you. 
you know. That's why this is of God. This is prophetic of the ideal of the kingdom of God. It was a powerful thing to do. People died. People gave their lives to spread this new covenant faith. To bring about that reality and we are enjoying the fruit of it today. Because it was so much worth back then. Right? Can you imagine what it was like when people prayed like that every day? Even the people of faith. What do you think the, the, the people who didn't even have faith would do? It was a horrible time back then. But God is alive. He gave himself on the cross to bring about a new kind of reality. And he will prevail. Amen? St. Julian of Norwich said, All shall be well. All shall be well. For there is a force of love moving through the universe that holds us fast and will never let us go. Amen. Hallelujah. This is Jesus. God is holding us in his hands. And this is a force of love that will move us towards the kingdom of God reality. Amen? That gives me hope. That gives me hope. He is working to bring down these divisions. Let's have hope in that. And he calls us to join in on that mission and purpose, to stand with Jesus and bear our cross and to bring down those divisions in ourselves and everywhere we see. Will you say yes to that? Yep. That's new covenant faith. That's what you're signing on when you say, I'm interested in Christian faith. So as a practical suggestion, I'm going to ask you to stand up against racism, sexism, and class conflict wherever you see it. Because there is no man or woman, free or slave, or Jew or Gentile in Christ Jesus, and that is at the core of Christian faith. Right? If Jesus died to bring down those divisions, how can we do anything less? And the first step is to acknowledge that racism, sexism, and class conflict exist and is a powerful primal force. Powerful primal force. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> if it says it took Jesus died on the cross to fight against that, it, it has to be a very powerful force, don't you think? It's a high cost. It is reported that this past week, the wave of hate crimes based on racism, sexism, class conflict, these hate crimes were spiked so much that it surpassed the hate crimes post 9-11 when there was so much pain and anger in this country out of feeling attacked. There was lashing out post 9-11, right after. We are now experiencing a spike higher than that. There are thousands and thousands of incidents being reported all across the country. There are swastikas appearing on synagogues. There are these hateful language on school bathrooms telling Hispanics to go back. 
All the hateful language coming back on in public, recorded, put it on social media as if they were proud of it. So many of the marginalized people, the weak people, vulnerable people, people who are on the out, people who will be like the women and the and the Gentile and the slaves in those days, though they are feeling unsafe. The effect on the kids, kids are acting out. I have a friend in L.A., very liberalized. This is where the Hollywood people live. He says, on Wednesday in the schools, his daughter's middle school was in Bedlam because there were so many racial epithets being thrown around, even at teachers. Teachers were leaving in tears and not coming back. Went out of control. On the same day, his son's high school went into quasi-riot that couldn't be controlled because so many kids were getting into mass fighting out of racial taunting. That's happening all across. These things are happening all across the country. Many, many, many schools. Here in New York, it was reported that some Catholic school girls got on a bus in their school uniform, identifying themselves, and told brown and black Americans to go to the back of the bus. Because now Trump is the president, so you guys need to know your place. And these kinds of things are coming up. Now, I want to acknowledge that great many people supported Trump not out of racism. There was a lot of frustration and pain and anger at Washington. There was a great desire for change. Because 90% of the economic gains are all going to the top 1%, and there was just a lot of anger and a lot of desire for change. And I want to acknowledge those are legitimate reasons. At the same time, we also need to acknowledge that all these hateful things are happening. Yes? It's just reality. Racism, sexism, and these kind of things are so powerful that you give it a little encouragement, it'll just go. And it's happening all around us. This past week, My own kids were talking about their own experience of racial taunting in the election. And it's just heartbreaking to hear that your kids are being made to feel like they don't belong here because of the shape of their eyes. That's just heartbreaking because of the color of the skins, because of who you look like, because of who you are, whether you are an immigrant or whether you are, belong to the LGBT community or where you are women or whatever you are, you, f- you can feel like you're on the out and it's easy to step on them. It's easy to make them feel ashamed and don't belong here. And it's happening. So times like this can bring out the worst in people. But times like this can also bring out the best in people. It's times like this that galvanizes people who have passion for the, for the future after the kingdom of God. When you have a vision, a prophetic vision and a passion 
of a world where every tongue and every tribe come together as one in Christ Jesus to worship God, as the Bible tells us. This is where we are headed. This is heaven. To bring kingdom of God on earth, to work towards it, this is a great time in those ways to come together and stand up and say, this is not right. This is not watching God's heart because God is love. We need to come together as new covenant Christians to say line drawing and boundary drawing and dividing people and stepping on people. Those are old covenant ways. That's no longer valid. It's cursed. There's a new covenant. And we're standing up for it. Are we agreed? Will you be new covenant Christians? And stand up for the marginalized and who are weak? For Jesus said, What you do for the least of these, the ones that are on the out, unprotected, unsafe, who are called, you're on the out. What you do for the least of these, you have done for me. If you do not do for the least of these, you have not done anything for me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you have done in my name. You prophesied in my name. You preached in my name. You have become a missionary in my name. I don't care. He said, I have never known you. That is a powerful statement from Jesus, yes? So we need to stand up with whoever is getting picked on, whoever is feeling unsafe as New Covenant Christians. Can I hear amen? Amen. All right. So practically speaking, one thing you can do is wear these safety pins. I don't know if you heard about this. But this is what many British people did after the Brexit vote where they chose to leave Europe. There was a wave of hate crime that happened after that vote. And many people stood up and said, I am not with that. I am a safe person. I will stand with you if you are one of these marginalized people. I will listen. I will stand up for you. I will listen to you. I love you. As a symbol to signal that I am a safe person. Safety pin. You see safe? Safety? You see that? It's clever. When you think, yeah? Those Brits, they're kind of clever people. And we can learn from that. And it just signals. I'm a safe person. You know, wherever you go. People who, are, who may be feeling unsafe on their subways, on the buses. They look around, and they see someone with a safety pin. They can kind of feel like, ah, okay, I'm not alone. If something happens, there are people, there are decent people around me. I can bring a feeling of safety. You see that? This is not about drawing lines. This is not about moralizing. I don't want any moralizing. This is not about, oh, I wear a safety pin, so I'm a good person, and everybody else is bad. That's yet another form of old covenant faith that brings shame, that brings guilt, that just brings divisions. Don't you agree? That's not the way. It's not the way. It doesn't matter who people are. 
Trump supporter, Hillary supporter, we are all one in Christ. Amen? Amen. We cannot say one thing like this and then draw boundaries. Right? So even if passions are inflamed and different people on different sides are feeling like the other side is evil, fight that urge. There is no line. We are all one in Christ. And we are standing up against hate and line drawing. We are called to live by a better way of faith. New covenant faith. And this is such a unique and powerful call. We can all be proud of it. We can all be proud that we are different from everybody else out there in that way. Where people are drawing lines and throwing stones at each other. We are saying we stand up for boundaryless reality of the kingdom of God. There's a lot of amen today. All right. Remember this and do it next week too. Whatever I preach. Now, I'm going to say that many of us, you know, when something hateful happens, most of us don't want to, like, get involved. We might get hurt, right? I mean, if I'm honest, I just want to put my head down and just, somebody's acting weird. I just feel like, let's just just end. I hope my stop comes next. You know, I just want to get out of here. Right? Let's be honest. Isn't that true? But I'm telling you, new covenant faith does not give you that option. What you do not do for the least of these, you do not do for Jesus. We must stand up. He died on the cross to bring about a better world. We must do the same. Well, we are not following him. We are following something else. Yes? We're going to have a gathering next Sunday after service to give space for folks to talk, to listen, how this has affected you. And it is one of the first steps to really like be able to come and talk and listen. To be able to understand where different people are coming from, from different ways. This is such a gift that we have such a diverse church community. Because we can hear from all kinds of different experiences, different perspectives, and different beliefs. Let's use that. Let's be part of kingdom of God. Come next Sunday to this gathering. It will happen after second service. We'll give you pizza. You know, when people have something in their stomach, they behave better. You know? So, it'll be good. Come. Okay, I don't want to be the only one here. I'll be there. I want to hear different people's different concerns and perspectives and pray together. That will be a powerful time for us as a church, yeah? My final suggestion is support the Blue Ocean Faith Network. We are not the only church who has this kind of prophetic vision of what New Covenant Faith is. We're trying to join in with like-minded people to bring about a change in the whole mindset of what faith is and what Christianity is. There we have sister churches in Boston, Philadelphia, Santa Monica, Iowa City, all over the place. And I want us to really think about giving yourself to this effort to join in 
on this mission and purpose. Because I'm telling you, right now, all across America, old covenant Christianity and new covenant Christianity is fighting it out. It has always been true. Old covenant faith has always been so attractive and powerful. Many of the Bible letters, like Galatians, is all about Christians who are following the old covenant ways. And how dangerous that is. And I tell you right now, I believe that old covenant faith has won in a dominating way. Because when people hear Christian or Christianity, the first word that comes up to most people, survey after survey, is that judgmental. Hypocrisy. Those are the words that come first to people's minds. That tells me that Old Covenant Christianity won. Judgment. That's boundary drawing. That's line drawing, isn't it? That's the first thing we are known for. How sad is that? Let's face it. New covenant Christianity is small and ignored. It hasn't really made any... We lost. (laughs) It's not making impact. People are seeing old covenant Christianity when they see Christianity. So we need another reformation. That may be a traumatic statement. But we need... To bring Christian faith back to new covenant faith. Where we are not known for judgments, but we are known for standing with the marginalized. For love. Jesus said, you shall be known for love. We are known for judgments now. Something has gone awfully awry. And this is what I'm calling out. Old covenant faith is dominant faith now. So we need to come and support and join in and give our lives to come together like the early church did and stand together and say, that's not the way. There's a new covenant now. This is the way. Jesus is alive. He's our only hope. Not rules. Not judgments. Let's just all connect to him. This is worth giving your support to. This is worth your money time, effort, and heart. This is worth becoming a missionary for. This is worth becoming a church planter for. I became a church planter and a pastor because of this vision. Not to be known for judgments, but for Jesus and his love. It's worth it. Amen? Will you join in and be part of this revolutionary movement that is not new? It's old. But it feels new. Agreed? Let's make it happen. We have a couple of hundred safety pins here today. They are right out there with cupcakes. Some people in the church just felt like, this is not from church staff. Just people just voluntarily brought cupcakes (laughs) to like, you know, give to people because sugar makes people feel better, you know. It's just a hard to just, okay, feel a little better. There are safety pins there as well as downstairs. Think about wearing it to signal, to say, I'm part of something new, what Jesus brought. And God will prevail 
there will one day be a reality where there is no man or woman, free or slave, Jew or Gentile, Muslim or Christian, black or white. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's end with this prayer. Let's read it out all loud. All shall be well. All shall be well. For there is a force of love moving through the universe that holds us fast and will never let us go. Next one. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Amen.